0: morning. Welcome to Lakeside. It's good to be with you this morning and to have the privilege of opening the Word of God with you. It's been a while since I've had an opportunity to preach, and so uh, it's always a, a blessing and an exor- uh, the exercise of ministering the Word. And um, I'm just so thankful for the, the Psalm 23 to start our year with, and, and praise God for the vision he gave Peter as he he selected this to start 2021 off on a on a passage that is very common and very familiar. It's been an encouragement to the believers for thousands of years. And yet with that familiarity, you know, we get uh, so used to it. Some of us can I um, have it memorized and can recite it um, right away. I struggle with reciting it, especially when last night we did an exercise rolling a, a die and whatever number it was on, that's the verse you have to quote. I don't quote well just mid, middle of the of the passage. So Peter had given me the die. I rolled number three. He gave me the first two words and I'm like completely lost. Like I have to start at the beginning and work my way all the way through. That's how I memorized it. So that's the way I have to work. And it was just a kind of a, a fun thing for us to do, but also a reminder of man, um, that I need a a little bit more work on, on getting this, this passage down. Um, and so, uh, also just the, the end when he asked me to preach the uh, you know, sharing a responsibility that he he preaches regularly, and so having a, him to have a Sunday off was also such an encouragement and blessing to me as I dig into this passage and and just the lessons I needed to learn uh, coming to the Word of God and just one verse and digging in and saying well, what is God saying here and uh, what do I need to communicate what what is He teaching me and it's it's been a good verse and it's not normally the verse that I would just say hey that's the verse out of Psalm 23 I want to preach. But having spent this week in it, um, I'm very, very thankful for it. And so as we come to the text, we will be in Psalm 23. And, and uh, so if you have your Bibles and you're open there, we'll read through all six verses. And then we'll focus in on, on chapter five. Excuse me as I see my Bible here. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green, green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. what a blessing in the psalm. And as we move through um, the psalm, we, we can notice a few things in the context here, leading us into uh, verse 5. But there's a shift. There's a couple shifts that the, the author gives us in this passage. First, we, we go from 1 through 3, where he is describing who God is based on he does this. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And so he's... He's giving attributes of God. He's talking about what God does. And uh, this is the thoughts David has of God. We, we use a term in English called theology, thoughts about God. Every believer in God is an amateur theologian. So we have some who study and do professional theology. But if you have thoughts about God, you are a theologian. You have a theology. Th- and the, th- the, the thing David teaches us here as we go through this, we start to say things about God. characteristics of God. And we should not stop with just talking about God, but we should talk to God and turn that theology into praise, that our theology needs to affect our heart and change us and mold us. And so he turns it then in verse 4, and he talks to them, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me. You anoint my head with oil. And uh, so he turns from talking about God. Talking to God and worshiping Him. I also think in verse 4, there's an indicator of another reason why it went from just uh, attributes about God to an intimate conversation with God. When it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because when we go through suffering, often our heart turns to the fragility of life and our need for someone outside of ourselves, right? So, as we talked about last week, that we need God. And because God is present with us And so how often When things are going well We talk about God But when things are going hard We talk to God And we have much more intimate conversations And here I think David is Reflecting on the hard times And how God showed himself To be real and present Through those difficult times And so the verses 4 and 5 and 6 As he turns into that praise That intimate walk with God So Um, Also, I think it's why as believers, we need to develop a robust theology of suffering. Uh, Oftentimes, especially in uh, our American context, we try to escape any difficulties, any hard times. Uh, It's really hard to escape things, you know, as we come through 2020, you know, with uh, COVID and with political things and with financial chaos in the marketplace and all kinds of stuff goes on. It's hard to just escape those things. And and Psalm 23 is not about escaping those. Psalm 23 is about recognizing God is with you through that, and he's present, he's speaking to you, he's caring for you. And so James tells us this, "'Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, "'for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, "'and let steadfastness have its full effect, "'that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing.'" James is telling us that suffering brings us to the place where we lack nothing we want nothing so he is essentially looking back the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I shall not lack anything because he is my shepherd it's this understanding that he is with us through suffering also one more uh point back to what we've already talked about but in verse 3 it says for his name's sake." Uh, there's a this is a phrase I think is important for us to to pay attention to as we get into What our verse is today that his namesake, it's about god's name his honor his character it's not uh, Why is god doing all these things for us? He's putting on display Just who he is and so we just sang a song You're a good good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are for his name's sake he's demonstrating who he is and it's because of who he is then we can say i'm loved by him it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am it's this part that we have to really ask god for the grace and the spirit to lead us in the understanding of our position before god when he reveals who he really is we can come up with ideas about god in our culture and we can come up with uh, misconceptions and the harshness of god but psalm 23 tells us he is our shepherd he tenderly lovingly cares for us that his rod and staff aren't to scare us they're to comfort us God is not out to beat us down into submission he is gently leading and guiding me one of the things I love about the illustration of sheep is it's not like I grew up on western movies I love John Wayne my dad loved him so I loved him and watched all those cowboy movies and what do cowboys do they drive cattle they get behind them they make a lot of noise they, they do whips they drive and they push and they push and they push and they push and it's a very harsh way to to do things but a shepherd is completely different a, sh- a shepherd walks with and among his sheep he leads them and guides them he goes off a little way ahead and the sheep will follow behind and uh and he has to stay in close proximity to the sheep because if he goes too far away the sheep will get out and go into to trouble and so this is a much different characterization of God than some of our, our misconceptions about him. The shepherd is tender and loving. It's who he is. And, and so when we come into verse 5, it's, uh, again, a shift from uh, talking about the sheep and the shepherd, and it, it, it looks to be different. And I, I would say if most of us, I, I know me growing up, and then when I looked in every commentary this week, it seemed like they jumped straight to verse 5, taking us, from the shepherd field into the palace into a grand banquet table big party big banquet table and i'm like that doesn't seem to fly with the context of psalm 23 to me and so i as i began to look into it and, and research it um coming across the bedouin life uh that we see in the old testament uh, abraham was you know the father of israel he was a bedouin he uh, it's over 4500 years ago he began come, God called him out of Ur and he took his tents and his flocks and he went through the wilderness and he traveled and, uh, and a Bedouin is a migrating culture where they go and they'll set up temp- tents temporarily and as the uh, wilderness um, supplies their needs they stay and then as things dry up or the heat comes out they move to another location and they, as shepherds the Bedouin shepherds have to constantly be moving because it's not green pasture lands like we have in Ohio. It's a desert place where the grass is sparse, and as if the sheep stay too long, they'll eat it all up, and there'll be nothing left, so they have to eat for a while and move on. And so I was like, this verse has to be in the context of the desert and the wilderness. What, it, what does it tell us? And so in verse 5, it says, "You prepare for me, uh, "'You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. "'You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows.'" as we think about this I want you to think about a shepherd coming, working out in the field and seeing a tent in the desert and going to that tent and we do see a shift here from David talking about himself as a sheep to now he's being uh, a person visiting at a table in the, in the Bedouin culture they had a, a code of the desert the Bedouin hospitality that, um, that anybody who comes to your, your tent would be welcomed in whether they're enemy or not, that whoever shows up, you welcome in, and then the, they would take care of you. So this is uh, what I call radical hospitality. What we see here, David is reflecting on this type of Bedouin culture, the radical hospitality of God, that he's the good shepherd, and then he calls out and invites. If you have your Bible, I want to take a look at Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 18. If you'll uh, turn there, we'll look at verses 1 through 8. Uh, Just as we kind of see what Bedouin hospitality really looks like And uh, Abraham in this familiar story again, if we stop and pause We'll see all these little things that are consistent with the culture he grew up in And in the Bedouin culture that that still exists today in the Transjordanian wilderness That you will find Bedouin uh, type shepherds out there with their tents And this is very similar to even today Genesis one, I mean Genesis eighteen, one through eight. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the earth, and said, O Lord, if you have found favor if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree. While I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourself, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seeds of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. This uh, radical hospitality Abraham has um, is just like he sees some guys and he calls out to them. Like So it was common for them, if they see anybody in the wilderness, to beckon them to their tent. That was being hospitable. So some could just show up at the tent. But here we see Abraham sees them. And he calls for them. He runs after them, come to my tent, come to my tent, come to my tent. And if you've been in the Middle East at um, all, you see uh, shop owners and, and people, they are very hospitable. And they do just come, come visit, come here. And, um, and you learn a lot about that, but they're welcoming in. Abraham does this, and then he refreshes them. He prepares a table before them. And so rather than seeing a table set in a palace out in the wilderness after a hard day's work where you're tending sheep, you come across and you see a tent and hear the tent, the host says, hey, come to my tent, let me prepare a table. Actually, the the Hebrew word for table doesn't mean a table, it means a leather mat that was rolled out to set and prepare food on. And in the Middle East in this time that they they wouldn't sit at a table with chairs and use silverware and and, uh, they would get a cushion to lean in um, and to eat, and they would dip out of the same bowl. It's a very, very intimate setting. The difference between like a big banquet table feast, which there is stories about in the Bible, that one day we will be in the house of the Lord with our King. We will be at a great uh, banquet table with all believers one time one day. But here, in the the dry and weary land in the wilderness, we're having a table prepared for you, an intimate setting in the bedouin culture to be invited in and to have a meal prepared was such a honor it was very intimate and it was um just something that they would rave about as a matter of fact the the bedouins have a a phrase that um that a man is a warrior and a host that it is just as important as the uh, uh, battlefield victories and talking about that was how did my host treat me that uh, the, not just the warrior's code of boasting But the the, hot, uh, the the host The boasting of hey this guy He did this. this is the meal he prepared This is the beverages he brought me This is everything he did for me He let me stay in this house this long And it would go around to so many To hear of this generous host And so this radical hospitality Is a demonstration coming out Of the desert land where it would be very hard to survive um, And with a And and they give refreshment. And they meet his needs, gives water, gives bread, goes off and prepares a meal. You know, as I read through this, I think from our American perspective, it's easy to read what Abraham did here and say he was surprised by visitors. He wasn't ready for him, so he had to rush around, go do this, go do that. And, uh, and it was a more of an inconvenience, but he—and trying to save face— you know, and it says here that Abraham actually after the meal was presented he sat back and he watched them eat because he took great pleasure in them eating the meal, but see from a Bedouin context, he was rushing around out of joy to host somebody in his tent, this is a good thing, this is a big thing, and so um, it is this amazing radical hospitality and then thinking about when he offers them bread, when we think of our Heavenly Father, the our good shepherd, preparing a table before us. We just celebrated the Lord's Supper, the table he prepared for us. In John 6, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The radical hospitality of our shepherd is that he provided the true bread, the bread that leads to life. But then we go on from he prepared a table for me. It says then, a, a, just a, a difficult phrase, in the presence of my enemies. Like, wh- what does this mean? Did, does this mean that my enemies are also at this table? Which actually in Bedouin culture could happen. Uh, it has been reported how an enemy accidentally shows up to a tent, and the host, because of this, um, this Bedouin culture, would invite them in and prepare and treat them well even as if they were enemies. Um, so, but, but what is going on? David was very familiar with enemies, right? You know, as soon as we uh, encounter David, um, he's, he's fighting the, the lions and the bears in the fields as he's shepherding. We see him uh, having to fight Goliath. We see him uh, running from Saul because Saul is jealous for him. He's out in the Negev in into the wilderness and the desert and the caves often later on in his life. He had to run back out into the wilderness to avoid uh, his own son, who was trying to uh, take over the kingdom. David was plagued by enemies all the days of his life—physical enemies, real enemies. You know, but we all have enemies. Some are antagonists or people that are against us. But we have enemies of our fears, or doubts, or anxieties, our sins, that we, our habits that are are harmful. These things that that creep into our lives. Uh, that overwhelm us at times and, uh, and they're constantly there that we need protection from we need deliverance from and we have a shepherd who will do that, the host who will do that uh, I was just uh, when it came to this understanding of the enemies I was uh, amazed by Dr. Clinton Bailey wrote a, um, a piece on uh, the Bedouin life he's the leading scholar on Bedouin life he said this, a Bedouin host is obliged to protect anyone who enters his tent from outside threats. Preventing harm from befalling anyone who has entered a man's tent, who has thereby come his guest, is reflected in the legal directive. Defend a guest if he's done good or done bad. Keep a violator at bay or pay for his faults. Defending a guest may mean stopping assailants from assaulting their intended victim by admonishing the assailants, especially if they are still outside his tent. When someone comes to their tent, the honor of the host is at stake, and he takes that person into his tent, into his life, and defends them even above family and above even his own life. The legal directive also says you will die in front of the one you're protecting. When you start to understand the significance of this radical hospitality and this Bedouin lifestyle, it... It makes a little bit more sense when we look at the story of Lot, a little bit later in Genesis there, where he invites people into his house and then offers his daughters. And you're like, what man in his right mind would do something so horrible? And we can never fully understand Lot, but in their culture, it would be better to protect your guest than to protect your family. That's how significant it was. And here we have the messengers go to Lot in judgment. Uh, but in Psalm 23, we are, we are the guest. And the host stands before us to protect us. And our host gave his life in the Son, Jesus Christ, to protect us, to defeat our enemies, to conquer our sins. And when he went to the cross, he stood in our place. When we were in his tent at his table, he defended us against our enemies. And he won the victory. And so we can stay in the tent, protected, provided for, cared for. And it is su- such a beautiful picture of the Bedouin tent, that intimate setting, you're with your host, close to, and get to hear his heart, hear his care for you. Which leads us to, uh, to thinking about Jesus' statement in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come to my table. Let me give you refreshing water Let me, So you can wash your hands Let me give you bread to eat Let me give you oil uh, For gladness Which is our, our compassionate care That he anoints our head with oil So in the Bedouin tent As people are coming out of the wilderness You, you ever been outside on a windy day Hot windy day You get uh, sunburn You get wind burn Chapped lips You come into the tent And there's a medicinal balm of oil that can be applied to soothe skin to brighten face to to help you feel refreshed or relaxed uh for me one of the modern contexts of this is i I love a japanese steakhouse uh hibachi japanese they they used to come and they they give you a hot towel treatment you sit down you give you a hot towel to to refresh your face with it was just awesome they don't do that anymore because of covid but um but it's just like this this oh let me be hospital let me refresh your face and it is a, a beautiful picture of what the compassionate care that our shepherd does but in that he also he sees our needs he pay, he's attentive to our need like what we what we are lacking in the moment uh, but I also want to draw back to the shepherd with the sheep um, the sheep heads were anointed at times uh, also because of injury uh, or affliction so, Uh, there's a a type of fly that bothers sheep significantly, and they can't lay down in the green pastures because they're being afflicted by these these flies. And uh, if the sheep has any cracks, um, sores, or even into their nose, these flies will, will attack there and they'll lay their larva. And that larva will grow and fester and cause pain and misery. And so the sheep will uh, be stomping and trying to shake their heads, stomp it out. They'll drive their nose into the ground. They'll uh, try to use bushes or thorns to scrape it away, or they'll even start knocking their head against rocks just to, to get them out of their misery. And and so even even today, when I was looking into this, there's a there's a oil, and they I found a whole all the different things you want to add to the oil to help drive these flies away, uh, so that the the sheep can be at peace. And uh, and so it was a pretty interesting thing, but. How often that we have things, these flies that fester. Uh, they may from annoyances to, to deep pains. That we need a, a medicinal balm for our shepherd to to place on our hurt and heal uh, our our hurts and our pains. Uh, and Peter talked about it a few weeks ago about time does not heal all things. You have to clean it first and apply the proper medicine. And we have a God who says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us all sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cleanses our impurities. He puts the blood of Christ over us, and he gives us his peace in him. So what an what a amazing picture we have in these two stories. And then I, I, I thought about in James chapter 5, He says, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and here similarly similarly i can't say it okay you know what i mean so uh here's also a medicinal type of oil to be applied um and to bring in others into our into our lives when when we're sick we, we most often think about this when we have a physical illness uh but when we're struggling we need to invite the elders of our church would love to come and pray and uh, with anyone um to invite fellow believers into our struggles. James talks about that in verse 16, to, to have people we can c- confess to and pray for. Uh, but there is a, a healing balm in the community of Christ. He has provided for us leaders to look to, to seek counsel from, to learn from, uh, and resources uh, that we can have uh, applied to those areas of our life. This is the radical hospitality he has given us. He is compassionately caring for us and providing for us continually still, <clears throat> which uh, leads us then to the abundant joy. My cup overflows. David, spending time reflecting on his God, the shepherd, the tender, the one who, as he begins to describe him, leads him from a place of just description to a place of joy, of worship, of prayer, and then humbling to look at what God has done in his own life, that it can do nothing else but produce fountain of joy in his life his cup overflows that it wasn't just enough to get by it was an abundant cup a bedouin uh, home tent would not allow your cup to run dry first they're going to give you water then they're going to give you milk then they're going to give you wine and they're going to keep your cup refreshed over and over and over again so as you come into the tent you, you get clean you get cleaned up you get uh, refreshed with oil. You get refreshed with, with water, milk, and wine. And you're at peace that says, hey, you can, you can trust. You can be at peace here. You can celebrate. And uh, Psalm 104:15 talks about God doing this for us. He says, you, God, gave wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. It's a, it's a picture of what happens when you come into a tent. What do they do to to give you respite from the wilderness? I also think one of the reasons why it is a more of a Bedouin tent than the palace table is because Psalm 23 is about everyday life. I most commonly used it at funerals and would look to it in prayers of that. But as we've been learning, it's everyday life. We go out into the wilderness. And we come into the tent for a respite. We go out into the wilderness and we come into the tent for respite. It's not a, it, it's a Bedouin transitory time. Like we are not home yet. We are moving in this world. We are looking to the city to come when our Savior will come and restore all things. But right now, we need to see that we have a shepherd who cares, who provides, he protects. He's there, he's with, uh, has a plan, and he is there in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of our trial, and we can look to him, and when we see him there, we see his presence, we see his protection, we see uh, his provision. How could we not be filled with joy? He is with me now. He is blessing with me. He is taking care of me. This is abundant joy. And to think, do you have it? Do you see God as the good shepherd? Do you hear the tender voice that he is calling do you see the the love that he has put on display? Or are you thirsty? Are you still longing? Are you still standing outside the tent or far away and you're in the wilderness and it's beating you down right now? He is there. He's present. J- Jesus says this in John 7. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Is there a better description description of a Uh, cup overflowing and a fountain of living water he's referring to the spirit when we come to Christ he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to strengthen us to lead us to guide us to be his voice to lead us into understanding of his word to pray for us when we don't know how to pray uh, to guide us and to confirm with us um, that we belong in the body of Christ that he is present he is real he is there he's the good shepherd daily we can come to the table daily we can be refreshed with the oil of gladness and with his hospitality so as we consider to be pre- the, that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies that that he has our back over and over again he anoints our head with oil our cup should overflow let's pray father god thank you so much for this beautiful picture and imagery you've given us in Psalm 23—so many elements that we don't fully understand or recognize, uh, and yet at the same time that we can experience daily in you—that we've we become familiar with so many passages of Scripture. At times that we we just gloss over some things, and yet, Lord, you're right there. You're beckoning. You're you're at the the door of your tent looking out and see us and you're calling out and you're begging us you're coming after us inviting us in lord i pray that we would hear your voice that we would see you there and that we would follow in that we would come into your tent for refreshment to our souls for care for our, our hurts and our pains for a place to rest where you keep our enemies at bay lord give us a heart to learn more about your word uh, to, to read and to hear your voice. May your spirit lead us into understanding. Lord, as we go out into this world, Lord, we, we go back into the wilderness each day uh, in a dry and thirsty land. And we need your spirit to to just pour out in us to to be the, the source of, of living water so that we can have the strength and the, and the understanding of what you would have for us. And so I pray, Lord, a blessing upon us um, that you have given to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing our last song.